Good morning. Happy, not Monday, once again. Uh, if you're following the podcast, you're following us on Instagram, you'll know that I did not get to record yesterday. I had a, a scheduling conflict come up and I just wasn't able to do it. But uh, I was thinking about it all day long, literally. Um, couldn't stop thinking about it and I'm, I'm so excited to just share this just this message that's just been on my heart with y'all. Uh, today's episode, episode 48 of the Friday Detox, Sowing Seeds. And I want to make a very clear point today. Um, I don't have a, a ton of notes to go over. This might be a very short podcast. Uh, we'll see, right? Um, but I've heard a lot of talk from pastors and worship leaders, one in particular that I'm thinking of, that I've talked about on the episode or the, on the on the podcast before, and I and I've been hearing a lot of this new season talk, um, in this new season that we're in, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But I think we all feel that something has shifted. I don't think that that is just me. Every person I've talked to. COVID has changed us. It's changed how we see our family members. It's changed how we see our friends. It's changed how we saw how we see people who we thought were our friends. And it changes it, it how how we just treat each other. And so this new season I think is going to be more centered on something real. Um it seems like especially my generation is so over the BS from Washington, D.C., the BS political correctness crap coming out of Hollywood. And more than anything, we're, and I've heard it. I heard this past weekend, not even related to politics or anything, but just I'm so tired of fake people. And I'll, I'll tell you or I've told you that you know, I quit my last job here recently. I've been working for myself. and one of the biggest drivers of that was just having to put on a fake face for people having to go to work and not see more than two people my entire day, but some, for some reason, still having to dress up. Have, and if you ask my parents, especially my dad, I hate dressing up. I hate tucking in my shirt. I hate button up shirts. A collar might as well be like, I don't even know, a, a shackle or something on my neck. I hate it. It's just so uncomfortable. And so having to do that day in and day out was misery for me. And I know that's an exaggeration and I, and I apologize for being so dramatic, but it's how it felt. And so that's just, it, I hated the fakeness. And so I've heard that from other people as well, that this, whatever this new season is that we're in, it seems like people are just so over the fake, the fake platitudes, the fake, well, I have to say it this way, even though I don't really feel it that way, because if I don't, I might get judged. Or it might get canceled. And then people do have a momentary lapse in judgment and they actually speak from the heart on Instagram or on a TikTok or whatever. And then a week later, they got to come out and apologize about it. And it's like, dude, just say what you mean and mean what you say, right? And so I think that's the season we're coming into. We're coming out of a season of just doing, going along to get along, agree to disagree. And I think we're heading into a season that is more based in truth, but if we've learned anything, the truth is divisive more than lies. The truth cuts like a sword. The truth separates those who are committed to the truth and those who are serving lies and serving themselves using lies. So whether it's politics, society, rule of law, education, business, or where I'm going to kind of take it today, relationships, how we treat each other. This is a new season and we all feel it. We feel the weight of it. And so the title of the episode, Sowing Seeds, what is it that you want out of this new season? And I'm going to pose that question again to you at the end of the episode. But when, when we're talking about sowing seeds, I don't mean planting a vineyard or, or, you know, being a farmer. I, I mean, what is it that you want to encourage in your life and in other people's lives? 
best way to look at it for me is in contrast. So sowing seeds of unity, encouraging people to unite. Or the flip side of that coin, revolution. Um, kind of, you know, opposites. Are, are we either going to unite or are we going, going to collapse? Because as, as we've learned through history, um, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Are you going to sow seeds of faith when you're when you're conversing with friends or you're you're posting things on Facebook, Instagram, social media in general? Are you going to encourage people to have faith, or are you going to sow seeds of doubt? Doubt in the the systems of today, you know, political systems, economic systems. Doubt in our um, in, in the ability of a normal citizen to enact change. Or are you going to inspire faith in people to just do their best? Are you going to inspire hope? Or are you going to sow seeds of pessimism? Peace or restlessness? And ultimately, life or death? I've told you many times that we're all influencers in some way. And so as you are influencing, and I don't mean growing your influence, the, the, the focus isn't on growing your influence. I believe that we've been giving, we've been given a certain status of influence, be it one person that I'm talking to right now, or be it a million people. We're influencing. So what are you contributing to? What are you influencing those people to feel or think? And I don't mean converting people. I don't mean trying to tell people, hey, invest in this stock or anything like that. I mean, hey, whatever it is you do in your life, have hope, have peace, have faith, and do with that what you will. But when you're pursuing whatever it is you, I, you feel you are called to pursue, whatever passions you have, one, pursue those passions. Don't get locked up from an early age in a job that you hate. While you're young and you don't have the responsibilities, you don't have a family to feed, you don't have a mortgage or a rent to pay, pursue those passions and create wealth out of it so that you can continue. You can make a life out of doing what you love to do. Um, so what seeds are you sowing? So we're talking about this new season and I'll, I'll somewhat apologize. I don't like reading a single Bible verse to make a big point. If anything, I think the Bible was meant to be taking in big, big chunks to make seemingly small points that have a huge weight to them. Um, so I like to read full chapters and then conclude. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to read Ecclesiastes chapter three, um, and then we'll make some points. But you've you've heard this before. I've heard this before. And um, before we start reading, I'll, I will say this: I'm I'm really tempted to make an entire podcast series um, of Monday morning messages out of Ecclesiastes because this verse, I'm, this section I'm about to read, chapter three, you've probably heard before, and it, it's probably the most positive and good feeling section of Ecclesiastes. Come to find out. Because I started reading, well, where is this coming from? And I started looking at Ecclesiastes 1. Um, and, and if you've read the Bible, you know that there's, there's sections and they have little headings. And it's like, what happens during that heading? Uh, especially New Testament, if you're looking at um, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at a heading, it's, you know, Jesus tells the parable of whatever. Um, or, or Jesus feeds the 5,000. Uh, and so if you're looking at Ecclesiastes, I encourage you to go do it and see what your Bible shows mine, which is a New Living Translation. <laughs> the, the first heading is, everything is meaningless. That's chapter one. Uh, the second heading, the futility of wisdom. Um, and so I'm like, man, this is kind of a dark, dark book. The futility of pleasure, the futility of work. And then you get to a time for everything. And so that's where we're going to read today. But at some point, maybe immediately, I don't know, I got to think about it and pray on it. But it would just be fun, I think, to read through some of these these chapters and, and see th this Ecclesiastes is, is coming from Solomon, who was the son of King David. So he's King David, who is the big, big guy 
in the founding of the kingdom of Jerusalem of, of Israel. And, and I know I'm butchering that for you historians out there. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading into it, but um, Solomon prayed to God and God said, you know, so what do you want from me basically? And Solomon says, I want nothing more than the discernment, the wisdom, the knowledge to lead my people, to be a good ruler. And God appreciated that so much that he gave it to him and he gave him amazing wealth that this world has never seen since. Historians have looked at the, I I guess you could say the, the ancient ledgers of that kingdom, of Solomon's reign, and he was the wealthiest ruler in the history of the world. Massive amounts of gold and silver, massive amounts of, of cattle and concubines. Uh, he had like hundreds or th- uh, like a thousand wives or something. I mean, that right there takes a kingdom to afford. <laughs> um, and so he had all everything, literally everything. And out of that person who had literally everything comes these books called, or not these sections of Ecclesiastes called The Futility of Pleasure the futility of work. And so we'll get into that at some point, I hope, because it seems really cool just based off of the history um, part of it. Anyways, back to this, uh, this episode, a time for everything is chapter three of Ecclesiastes. And so, um, so I'm going to read through it. You've probably heard much of it, but uh, then we'll dissect it in a second, but starting at verse one, chapter three of the book of Ecclesiastes, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. I imagine that that's printed on some church door in California. If you don't know, they're about to about to go back into lockdown in California, and it's we'll see who complies. But I'm sure there's plenty of churches there that are just gonna comply with whatever Governor Newsom says, and I'm sure they got printed somewhere. Now is not a time to embrace. Now is a time to not hug because uh, COVID. Uh, anyways, that's just my commentary. Uh, a time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. So many of us have heard that. I've heard that so many times, which is why I looked it up. It it came to to my, as I was planning this episode, I thought of it and I was like, okay, I think that would work. So I found it. And, but now, as, as has happened with almost every single one of these episodes, these Monday morning messages, I found more surrounding the verse that I remember. And it's teaching me what I should have learned back when I was in Awana's earning badges and patches and, and air quotes memorizing Bible verses when I should have been actually memorizing the Bible verses and instead I was chasing girls and playing basketball. Uh, as much as a uh, an elementary kid can be chasing girls <laughs> and playing basketball but uh so anyways continuing in chapter 3 after a time for this a time for that solomon says what do people really get for all their hard work i have seen the burden god has placed on us all yet god has made everything beautiful for its own time i'm going to read that again cuz that that's huge god has made everything beautiful everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can, and people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it, God's purpose is that people should fear him. What is happening now has happened before, and what will happen in the future has happened before, because God makes the same things happen over and over again. And I'll stop there for a second, because I think that's a, a, that to me, that last sentence, 
God makes the same things happen over and over again. Well, let's take verse 15 as, as a whole. What is happening now has happened before, and what will happen in the future has happened before. Because God makes the same things happen over and over again. We know this in human history, that history repeats itself. And there are cycles to the human psyche, to, to, our, to, to how humans govern themselves and how we treat each other. And we go to war and we make peace and all these things, a time for this, a time for that. It's repetitive. And something that strikes me is in here, there is no God says that this is wrong, that we should avoid these cycles, that we should only go for a time to plant. You know, but there is no planting without a harvest. When you harvest, you get the fruits of that, that labor, but you also get the seeds to replant and then reharvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. God doesn't say through Solomon, of course, this is divinely inspired. If you, know, if you believe the Bible is divinely inspired, then we're saying that you know, God is saying this through Solomon. Um, he's not saying that you should only try to heal. You should only try to cure people. There is a time to kill. What does that mean? I don't know. That, that's a scary subject to jump into. Um, God saying that there is a time to kill. A time to laugh and a time to cry. There's no, you should only laugh, you should only be happy. Because you can't appreciate the laughing without the crying times, right? And so, this cycle of this and then that, a season for this and a season for that, it is a cycle. It's happened before. And, is, and so, I, I want to use that really, really quickly to kind of encourage you. It seems like we're in very, very dark times, unprecedented, unprecedentedly dark times. I know I butchered that word. Um, and it feels like, man, we're, we're having to go through something that nobody's ever gone through before. But one, this isn't the first pan pandemic. Two, this isn't the first corrupt government. Three, this isn't the first time that, that evil has ever wanted to overcome good. But before I finish this chapter, I will say that we are in a time that is unprecedented for us individually. And that, to me, is I'll, as I'll get into towards the end of the episode, is encouraging, but it's a challenge. So, what's the point? The point I'm making here is balance. I've said before, balance is something I've always been kind of infatuated with. And looking at how something good almost has to be weighed against something bad. There's this appreciation, there's perspective. And, and it seems that, you know, Ecclesiastes here, Solomon is kind of saying the same thing, that you have to have this in order for that. There is a time for this, but just as much as there's a time for this great and beautiful thing, there's also time for this other thing that seems dark. But, as we just read, it's everything is beautiful in its own time. There's nothing new under the sun. Our earth has seen it all before. Humans as a species, we have seen it all before. Now, we haven't always seen it through an iPhone, or we haven't always seen it on a big screen TV coming from a politician's mouth in a nice suit with a little American flag pinned on him. We haven't always seen it in the same form, but we have seen corruption. We have seen lies. We have seen deceptions. We have seen false truths that are being presented as truths from positions of power to positions of not so much power. Uh, which is, well, anyways, we've seen it all before. It's easy to predict that these things will happen. And because it's so easy to predict that they'll happen there, it's extremely easy. And not only easy, because it's so easy to, to say that this is inevitable. It's easy to either contribute to the inevitable and or just check out and just try to tune it out. Because, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's kind of like when, when, well, I'm going to try to make a sports metaphor here, but when there's a team that's just dominating back when I actually paid attention to the NBA, you know, there was a while there were the Spurs when they're, they're going after their dynasty and they finally achieved it. They had the big three, Timmy, Tony, and Manu, they were doing great. And it was like, okay, I can pay attention to this because it's inevitable that something good is probably going to happen. Uh, and then 
freaking Stephen Curry came in and the Warriors started taking off and it was inevitable that they were going to win. So no matter how good my Spurs did, uh, especially when they started missing Tim Duncan full time, um, it was inevitable that there's no way they're going to beat the Warriors. And so I can say right about then is when I started tuning out of, of sports because really all I cared about was the Spurs. But anyways, um, I think it's easy to to think that something is inevitable. And so, well, it's going to happen anyways, whether I, I put any effort in from either direction. Um, I'll tell you on a personal note, there's this fear that I have. I've told you before, fear of failure. And it's not just that I will, the fear that I might fail. It's, it's the fear that, you know, there's that, that I, I would say it's the enemy. It's, it's Satan. It's, it's the antithesis of what I hope for and what I believe in. Um, but I hear that voice saying, you're gonna fail. You're gonna quit. You're gonna give up. It's not going to be as good as you're hoping it'll be. So why try? And that's something that I have to overcome on a, not even a daily basis, an hour to hour, a minute to minute basis. If I'm trying at something, like I'm trying at this podcast, I'm hearing the voice of, dude, why are you even trying? And and so the point that I'm wanting to make is that there are good times and there are seemingly bad times. But just because you you feel that we're in a, a dark time does not mean that there's not going to be any light to be had in the dark time and that you can't contribute to some of that light in the dark. But that brings on the challenge. The challenge is to do better. This is a new season. You can call it a new season. You can call it just a a new era, a new period in time. But in a hundred years, they're going to reference our time this exact time that we're that we're in not because you know some musical artist did something crazy or some politician did something crazy there will be the trump discussions of course but covid covid has forever altered the course of human history and in in magnificent massive um irrefutable ways they're going to say things like pre and post COVID. We're already saying that. It's like, oh, it was before COVID, so it had to have been before 2019 or whatever. And, and we're already basing time kind of like BC and AD. We're, being, we're basing things on COVID time. Everything is changing. Literally everything. Everything has changed. That sounds scary. <laughs> but think back. Just think back a few years ago. How many of us were praying for a new season? A new season for the country, a new season for our jobs, a new season for our lives in general. Really think, you remember, you might have been one of those people, I definitely was, that was posting in like around 2017, 2018, maybe even into 2019, around New Year's, like, oh, I can't wait for this year to be over, this next year is going to be my year, it's going to be a great year, and all this stuff. Have you ever noticed that's not happening that much anymore? People are scared of the future. People now are kind of like, whoa, you know, pump the brakes. Good goodness gracious. But we have been given a gift. We've been given a gift of the largest social, political, and economic upheaval in generations. In American history, I believe, um, as far as the implications of what's happening. It's all up in the air right now. And that sounds scary, but now is not the time to cower. Now is not the time to fear or whine or complain. But God, this is not what I wanted. Like That's not what we're here to do. We're here to seize the moment. We're here to take the challenge, take the mantle from the prior generation and say, we will do better. It's going to be harder for us. And in spite of that, we will do better. So before we talk about what to sow, you know, we, earlier we were saying unity or revolution, faith, doubt, hope, pessimism, peace, restlessness, life, death, a time for this, a time for that. But before we talk about what we're going to sow, Jesus tells us in Luke how to sow seeds. And, and just as much as how to sow, I mean, what to sow, how to sow is just as important. 
So how do we sow seeds? In Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 4, um, Jesus gives the parable of the farmer scattering seeds. So if you don't know this, please understand me. I'm not trying to talk down to anybody here. I, but I acknowledge, and this is just from my own personal life, my wife was not brought up in the church. She's heard things. She knows a very surface level of the Bible and not just what Christians believe or should believe, but what it's based on. And I think that that's an element a lot of people are missing is, you know, you can pull out a few Bible verses to support being a Christian, how Christians should behave, but there's no background. And, and I'm not saying I've got some immense education and I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I've never been to seminary or whatever, but I, I'm, as I'm reading into this, my bit of knowledge, I want to pass on to you. So Jesus spoke to the people of his time, not, uh, using a, a book or a, a text or some peer-reviewed study. He spoke in parables. He spoke in ways that they would understand. Uh, he gave them a story that is from the perspective of themselves. And so they could understand the broader point by understanding the smaller point. And so when it says parable, really it's just a story. It's a you can almost, and it's not the same, but you can kind of call it like an old wives tale or like a legend. You know, it's something that that's, that is taught to people to make a larger point out of smaller uh, story elements. So I'm getting way too into that explanation. <laughs> Anyways, the story of the farmer scattering seed. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath, where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as he had planted. When Jesus had said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So another point to be made there. Whenever Jesus says things, or you read in the Bible, he who has ears to hear should listen and understand, or he who has ears to hear should listen. And... What the Bible is basically saying is that there's more to this message than what the words that just came out of my mouth, basically, is that there is a deeper meaning here. And if you've got ears to hear, then listen and understand. The understanding part being the evasive part, the part that's so hard for people to do is actually understand, okay, what does Jesus mean here? But that, that's the ultimate goal is to understand what he's saying. And so much like many of us, when we were confused about what Jesus is actually <laughs> expecting out of us, the disciples asked Jesus what this parable meant. Jesus replied, you, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. And that's a, that's a prophecy speaking of, of Jesus from the Old Testament saying that Jesus is going to basically tell the truth to these people, the capital T, truth. He's going to tell them the answer to all of their questions. But he's not just going to tell them, hey, this is what I need you to understand or this is what I need you to believe. He's going to tell it to them in a way that they have to listen. They have to really try to pay attention to what Jesus is saying. And then when the dots connect in their own brains, then they will understand if they truly want to understand the truth. And that's the point. But Jesus says, your disciples, you're special. You get to understand the secrets of heaven. So he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. 
The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. But all too quickly the message is crowded out by cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So now, obviously, that parable in, you know, specifically is talking about us sharing the message of God. But I also see it as kind of a Jesus version of, of this book that's like one of those books that everybody who's got a recommended reading list, it's on there. And it's uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I kind of see this section of verse as Jesus' version of that. And it's it's not just how to convert people to Christianity, but it's how to inspire people. It's how to speak to people, how to sow seeds of these good things. I would say faith and hope and love and peace and unity. So if we're going to attempt to inspire these good things in people and in ourselves, it's important to understand how to sow these seeds. I'll, I'll attempt another sports metaphor. Go in and finding a 25-year-old, uh, five-foot-six guy and trying to sow seeds of that dude's going to be the next NBA All-Star. It's not going to happen. And so you're sowing seeds on one of those metaphors that Jesus just used. You're, you're sowing seeds where it's just not going to happen. Let's so now translate that to, to sowing hope in a generation, sowing peace in a group of people, sowing love in your own home. You have to have fertile soil for it. And my point in saying that is I think that COVID-19 was almost like a, another Bible metaphor, the, the, the burning away of the chaff. You know, when you got a harvest of wheat and you got all this extra plant stuff. But what you really need is the wheat. You need the, the grain from that plant. So they would burn away certain parts and, and, and the wind would take away the, the, um, the waste part of it. And then they would harvest the actual grain. And so I see COVID as much of the same way. COVID burned away the fat from us. It burned away the fake friends. It burned away the desire or even the, the, the will, <laughs> the internal ability to hang around at a job that is depressing you. Um, it burned away this fakeness from friends or from family members who you, you gave your all to these people. You always said yes. But then as soon as there was an opportunity for them to kind of cast you aside, maybe they did. Or maybe it's a friend and you've always made the effort to be there for them and to talk to them. And, but then as soon as there was the opportunity or the excuse for them to kind of just ignore you, they did. And you, you were going through a tough time and you reached out to them and they just, eh, they didn't care. Or you're at work and suddenly all you have because of quarantines and lockdowns, all you have is your time at home and your time at work and then time at home and then time at work. And you're going back and forth and suddenly any sort of joy that you ever got out of work, out of that money that you took home in a paycheck, suddenly the money just doesn't matter anymore. So COVID exposed the, the fakeness of these lives that we built for ourselves. And so what I'm saying is now we do have fertile soil as, as, a, as an entire species. There is fertile soil because everything is up in the air right now. Nothing is certain. The stock market is up and then it's down. It's setting new records and then it's at new lows. There is so much uncertainty. And in that chaos, God can do what God does best, which is to create order out of chaos. And he's going to do it. It's just a matter of, are you going to be a part of it? Much like I said back in 2016, when I refused to vote for Donald Trump, I felt like we had this opportunity as Republicans slash conservatives and, and slash Christians to elect somebody who was not only going to do good things, but somebody who actually believed good things. Somebody who would go in there and not uh, 
use the presidential power to to make these good things happen, but he would actually go in and limit the presidential power, which is the problem to begin with, you know, um, not to make a political point here, but you know, you don't solve abuses of power with more power. And so that's what I saw in Donald Trump. And for the most part, I mean, he, he kind of did exactly what I expected him to do. He did good things, but he didn't really limit his own power at all. And now we're seeing that all of that's being undone. And four years of Donald Trump has been undone in basically 10 months, or really it was like eight months of Joe Biden undid it all. So it was all for nothing in a way. The point being, now is not the time to just keep doing what we do. And now is not the time to, to just beg and plead, God, just take us back to pre-COVID. Can we just get back to the regular normal? A lot of people, especially conservatives and Christians, are almost in denial about the new normal. They're, you know, no, we don't want a new normal. We want things back to the way they were before COVID. And it's kicking and screaming and slamming doors. And I, I hate you. And I don't think that's the time we're in. I don't think we're in a time where we have to beg to go back to the way things were before. Because how were things before? How was life before COVID? Was it just amazing? Sure, we had more freedom in certain parts of the country to go out and have brunch with friends and all those things, but does that really matter? When it comes to truth and justice and law and order and the things that keep a prosperous nation prosperous, we weren't doing too good before COVID. There's a reason we were praying for this new season. There's a reason we were praying for God to wake people this country up to wake the Americans up and look at what you're doing. And as we've talked about before, and it was, we've all experienced this, you pray for one thing and it seems like God throws something way different at you. And you don't even realize that what he threw at you was actually the answer. It wasn't what you wanted, but it's what you needed. And so here we are, we're, we're, we're hopefully leaving uh, the COVID era into this new normal, and what are we going to do with it? Now is the time to sow seeds of hope, love, and peace. Excuse me. Now is the time to do better, be better, and think better. And here's my ultimate point. Most of all, now is the time to raise up the next generation. A new generation that will fear God before man. How often are we, even as adults, and I, and I just gave you the example of myself, we're so afraid and we're so concerned with what other people think of us. You know, if I fail, people are going to see that and I, and I will be a failure at that point. But imagine having been raised to literally not fear other people's opinions. To literally not care what somebody else thinks of you. Imagine if the only concern that we had was continuing down God's path for us and our families. Because that's the ultimate, that's the culmination of all this faith and hope and everything. It's, it's how can I create, not create, but how can I become the person God wants me to be? Not for my own benefit, but now my wife and I are trying to have a kid. And so how can I be the best dad, the best husband, the best spiritual leader as, as the Bible charges men and fathers with being the spiritual leader of their homes? How do I fulfill that? And I think that's what this season is about is it's telling us you're not these other things. You're not these petty little things that you did on, on Sunday fun day. You know, this isn't just going to church on a Wednesday and feeling, well, I go to church literally twice as much as anybody else. Therefore, you know, it, it's not these petty little things that we have given so much value to. It's about the next generation. It's about the future of our country. It's about if we will have a country or not. I think that this generation either will be or will raise the generation that will do those iconic things like you've seen the the man standing in front of a tank in Tiananmen Square. Um, if you haven't looked up the, the history of that photo, do it. It's an, it's an amazing story. 
But a generation will exist, as it always has. There's nothing new under the sun. There will come a generation that will stand in front of tanks and dare them to move forward. There will be a group of people so committed to the truth because they have seen what lies bring. Look at California right now. I'm in Texas. I'm living my life pretty much unhindered by COVID. Well, yes, for the most part, unhindered by COVID. Look at California, though. They are once again locking down their citizens, not they. Let's put put blame where blame needs to rest. Governor Gavin Newsom is enacting lockdowns on his citizens again. Gatherings over a thousand need vaccine proof and or negative COVID tests. Now that, to me, it angers me, but at the same time fills me with hope because out of the original lockdowns, when California churches were told to close their doors, and some did out of obedience to the state, others did not out of obedience to God. And that's how I came across um, Let Us Worship, Sean Fute, who I've brought up. Stay tuned to the very end of this episode. I'm going to put a little treat at the very end. Um, but this movement of, the, of young people saying, no, I will not be told not to worship my God, came out of the strictest lockdowns this country's seen. And so as scary as this next round of lockdowns might be, I think f- we're going to see even more people decide, you know what, no, I'm done. But we'll see what happens. My only message, well, no, I'm not in California. I'm in Texas where I'm living pretty free. We got low infection rates. And, you know, I'm not going to give advice to people in California. I'll leave that for other Californians to do. Um, but back to my, to, my, to my major point before I close out. If you are a parent or you're about to become a parent, that baby is not an obstacle to going out and partying or having a good time. That baby is not a burden or a hardship, no matter what the, the social cues of our current world says. That baby is a gift from God. And it requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice. And the most epic outpouring of love you've ever thought possible. And what's even cooler, and this is what excites me about having a kid. God has given you all the tools to do it right. He's told you how to do it. It won't be easy. It shouldn't be because great things are never easy. But look at that baby and tell me that there isn't potential for greatness right there. Sitting in a car seat, sitting in a, in a crib. You're looking at him through, through your iPhone on some Wi-Fi camera. There is potential for greatness there. And so what are we doing with work? What are we doing with careers? What are we doing with politics and friends and family? What are we doing if it's not to better the situation for that baby? And that's where my head's been at, obviously, because I'm, we're taking pregnancy tests, folks. And every single time so far, obviously, you know, I haven't announced anything. So it's been negative every time. Um, but Every single time, it's like one one of these times, there's going to be a plus sign. Or there's going to be a yes, or there's going to be a poop emoji because that's what I just did in my pants because my wife just said, hey, we're pregnant. You know, eventually that's going to happen. And so that is weighing on my head. And so a lot of these things are boiling down to how do I just be a good dad? How do I just be a good husband so that that kid can grow up in a home that isn't fractured by the divorce, that isn't isn't burdened with mom and dad fighting all the time. That isn't burdened with, you know, I, I can't afford for you to have football cleats because we, we can't afford it. You know, so all those things are weighing on me, but at the same time, the point being this entire message is it doesn't matter. Because the potential for greatness in a child isn't new clothes. It's not... Um, it doesn't hinge on whether or not they've got, they're the best at sports or whether or not they get straight A's all through high school. It weighs on whether they fear God more than they fear men. Do they fear God's plan for their lives more? And I don't mean fear as in I'm afraid of it. I mean, fear the, the 
the ramifications. If we lived a life that is purely what God wants for us, that is best case scenario for our lives. And so if you fear God, you understand the weight of his plan for your life and you want it. Or are we going to raise another generation that is addicted to social media that can't take their eyes off of a screen that's going to be so wrapped up in the metaverse that they don't even know how to have a conversation without a VR helmet on virtual reality you know, for the older folks listening. So the only thing that can overcome this technological barrier that we're going to have, think about how, you know, I'm 30. So I think about my parents. My dad asked me the other day if I have access to YouTube and, and yeah, <laughs> I love you, dad. And it, it cracked me up and it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got access to www.youtube.com. There's an app for that now. And so that as much as there's a, as a, there's a technological break there, there's going to be a massive technological gap. And therefore, because technology is going to separate generations, uh, the conversation is going to be fractured. The understanding, the references, the, even the facts, just the, 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 the truth is going to have one shape and form to one group of people and another to another group of people because of technology. And so the only thing that can overcome those barriers is principles, is foundational truths, first-tier truths, as we talked about. And the only way for respect to cross those technological bridges and gaps is for there to be an understanding, a fear of a mutual fear of God, a mutual belief, a mutual faith. And that's how that's how we inspire and that's how we drive and push the next generation to do great things. And so I'll leave you there um, before I just start rambling. Uh, and, and I'll leave you there with, with the challenge that I told you I was going to leave you with the question, what will you do in this new season? It's all up to us. And yet we know we can't do it. And that's been the big stressor for me the past couple of years. But at the now it's, flipped and it's it's my hope i can't do this i know i can't do this god can there is nothing new under the sun he's done it before he'll do it again just believe believe that not that god is going to do this great thing for you don't believe that god's going to give you that promotion believe that god is going to do for you what he knows in his infinite Time surpassing wisdom. He sees the outcomes. He'll do for you exactly what you need done. Have faith. And for those moments of doubt, surround yourself with not just good people, but spiritual people. People with faith that you can lean on. People that you can go to and say, hey man, I've been struggling with this. Um, what should I do? You don't want a friend that says, ah, oh, no, you don't need to worry about that. You shouldn't be struggling with that. Like, it's not a big deal. I don't think God really cares about that. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. You're a good dude. You don't need friends like that. You need friends that will look you in the eye and tell you the hard truths. Like, listen, I, you know, I haven't really wanted to say anything, but now that you're asking me, me my opinion, you know, I, I see how you talk to this person. I see how you treat this person. I see how you talk to coworkers. I, I see this. I see that. And here, here's what I believe. You, you, you may have lost your way at this point. No love has changed. I still love you 100%. Love you like a brother. Love you like a sister. But, you know, you asked me, so here's my, here's my opinion. I'm going to speak my mind. Those are the kind of friends you need. And those are the kind of friends that I think we're all naturally pursuing right now. Not fake friends. Not fake family. But real people with real love that we can depend on. And so with that, I challenge you. Be a real person. Be a good person. Be somebody that your friends can lean on. If they were to call you or text you and say, hey, I just need to talk about something, that you will drop what you're doing or say, you know, yeah, well, let's talk in a second, whatever. You will do what they need from you because you love them and they love you. And you, and you want to sow seeds of trust and love and hope in them. So, to with that, what you will 
as promised, I got a little nugget here for you from Sean Fute. I hope he doesn't mind me playing the song here. This is Spirit of the Living God from Lettuce Worship, headed by Sean Fute. Your name above 